Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Come on and lift the Lord up this morning. If you feel that, let's praise Him. Come on, if you want that in the house today, let's just lift Him up. Come on, let's just praise the Lord this morning. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to welcome you today on this Labor Day weekend. Say it's good to see you in the house today. I believe God has an outpouring for us today. I believe God has an outpouring of His power, His might, His faith, His strength, His endurance. Somebody told me this week, they said uh, that it, they hadn't been in church for a, few, a little while, and they said, you know, it just felt good to get filled up again. I said, hey, you know what? Jesus said that He came uh, for the sick, not for the healthy, right? So I've always said that the church is kind of like a hospital for sinners. Uh, I want it to be a hospital. But you know, I also like to think of the church as a fueling station. I don't know about you, but I, I still kind of enjoy road trips. Does anybody enjoy road trips or they kind of, you kind of hate them? I like them. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, but I love to make the stop too. Sometimes I want to get there in record time. But you ever get to that point where the seat is just, it's like, oh man. It always hits me in like the, my lower back. I'm like, ah, or my leg goes to sleep. Does that ever happen? You know, there's some kind of spring and right behind your knee and your leg goes to sleep. Your knee's hitting the steering wheel and you're like, all right, there's a, there's a rest stop up there. Now, if you're like me, you don't just get gas because you got to refuel the tank. But how many know sometimes you need a little caffeine? You need a little sugar? I'll get a Mountain Dew, I'll get a coffee, I'll get a Snickers bar. I jump back at, don't act like you're not like me. A donut, a Mountain Dew, a coffee, and hey, all of a sudden the tank's full, but all I got that sugar going, and I'm, I'm still trying to drive the speed limit, but I got a little extra pep going, right? I feel that in the house today. How many say amen to that? Hey, the- glad to be with you today. I'm going to open the Bible with you. If you can, stand with me for the uh, reading of the Word. I'm going to Numbers 13 and 30. I want to welcome our, uh, our church online. You know, God has been doing great things in the house, and I really feel a revival is near, not only for our church, but for our country and for our world today. How many feel that? I feel that. I see that. I, I love that song that was saying, we need a fresh outpouring. You know, I thought about how, and I preached this uh, around the uh, May. Uh, I was trying to think of when Pentecost fell this year. Uh, I believe it was into the first week of June. But we did a, a message series about when a new day comes and all of the things that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit did. And I mentioned that one of them is that there was unity. Uh, and I feel like that when the Holy Spirit falls, there's a unity. 
I had one amen. I had two amens. When the Holy Spirit fell, there was a unity. All of a sudden they're saying, hey, these folks are from Galilee. They're not from our area, but they're speaking the same language as us. They're kind of like us. We have something in common with them. All of a sudden, God spoke something to Philip. He said, I'm going to go to Samaria. If it was for us, it's probably for them. He goes and preaches. A great joy falls on the city. The Holy Spirit is poured out. Peter and John want to come and be a part of it. Then it wasn't too long before God spoke to an Italian man and said, look for Peter. He's going to come. Peter said, I'm not going there. He told him three times with a sheet. And, a, and, and all of, you know the story. All of a sudden, there was a revival. Brought people together across racial barriers, across uh, borders. God's Spirit, when it's poured out, there's a fresh anointing, there's a fresh power, there's a fresh anointing, there's a fresh healing, there's fresh unity. And I feel it in the house. I feel it. I feel it. Somebody say amen. All right. And I, I said it last week, and I want to say it again, that the first step to any revival is an awakening. An awakening. If you look at the book of Acts, you look throughout the Old Testament, every time there was a revival, even in church history, modern church history, every time there was a revival, the first thing that happened is somebody awakened to their condition, awakened to their need for God, awakened to God's deliverance power, His, His restorative power. And once someone was awake to that, that was the first step to a revival. I'll tell you, we had a great uh, Sunday last Sunday. I... Uh, I tell you, the, the altar calls in all three services were longer, I feel like, than my message. Now, somebody might say, that's not true. <laughs> but it was close. <laughs> and I tell you, we, we, the altar was going so strong in that first service. I knew we were supposed to start at 11, but God was still moving, and I wasn't going to stop it. Uh, I remember the, the praise team got a hold of something there about five minutes before the second service, and we just let it roll. I think we started the second service about 11.20. That second service, God met with us in the same way. And I was out on the porch here. That's all right. I love it. Yes. I was out here on the porch talking to folks, saying goodbye. My wife starts tugging at my jacket saying, we got a baptism going. I said, What? And I thought we'd close service out, even though it had gone 40 minutes after I, I had ended preaching. And uh, we came in. Do I see Gabby here? I'm blinded by the lights sometime. Uh, Gabby was up here praying. The Holy Spirit was all over her. And uh, somebody said, hey, Gabby, you want to be baptized? And Gabby said, sure. So uh, we came in. We baptized her. Uh, we knocked some stuff off the platform, but we still baptized her. And uh, not only was she baptized in water, but she was baptized in the Holy Spirit right there in the water. And we give God all the praise. And um, her fiance, Lewis, went home, was baptized in the Holy Spirit later that night. So we give God a praise for what he's doing in this hour. It's a great thing. And I feel that revival, and it's just going to keep going and keep going. So the first step is there's an awakening. The second thing I wanted to say to you today is you got to see it. you got to see it. you got to see that revival coming. I want to go to Numbers 13 and 30. It said, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. He was talking about the walls of Jericho, the giants, then the possessed the promised land. If you know that story at all, Joshua and Caleb, I see Scott in the back, his son is named Caleb. I always think of Scott's son when I read this story. Joshua and Caleb, they said, Let's go take the promised land. 
And ten other spies, if you know the story, they said, no, we can't do this. Because the ten spies, they, they had doubt, they had unbelief, they had fear, and it hit the people of God. It, it was contagious. It spread from the ten spies to all the people. And instead of doing what God told them, instead of walking in obedience, instead of receiving what God had for them, that entire generation missed out on what God had. They were marked by doubt, unbelief, disobedience. How many know they just flat out missed the will of God? They missed the blessing of God. They missed the revival that God had for them. Remember, this land was already Abraham's. It was just now being occupied by, by all the nations that were occupying it. So it was a revitalization. It was a revival. It was a restoration of what was already theirs eight generations ago. But for 45 years, they wandered in the, in the wilderness because Jacob, Joshua and Caleb, rather, they said, we can take it. But the other 10 spies said, no, 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 I don't think we can. So let me skip 45 years. Everybody say 45 years. I'm going to go to Joshua 14 and we're going to be seated. It said, everybody say amen to that. That's some of the best thing you hear all day. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old. Everybody say, I was 40 years old. Now, some of you didn't want to say that. Some of you did want to say that. <laughs> and when he said, Caleb said, I was only 40. See, he was 85. He was happy to remember that time. He said, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. The man of God, Moses, he sent me to spy it out. He said, I brought back to him, brought back word to him. Everybody read it now. As it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. That, that, that negative word was contagious. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on the day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you wholly followed the Lord my God. The man of God prophesied over him and said, Where you step, that's going to be yours. So uh, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. He's talking 45 years later. The Lord has kept me alive this many years, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now my strength is for war, both for going out and coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke to me in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakin were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord God said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Now, I know it's a holiday weekend, and y'all got grilling to do, and we live in Florida, so you can soak up the sunshine. If you'll preach with me, say amen, amen. and we'll preach, and we'll have a move of God, and God will meet with us in a great way. Say amen. Wave to somebody. A social distance. Hello. God bless you. God's going to meet with us in the house today. Thank you to the music team. God bless you all for serving in the house. You're a blessing. You may be seated. 
You're a blessing to God's people. So the first step to any revival is an awakening. And the second step is to see it. And so I just want to preach today. I preached last week, revived and awake. I want to preach today, revived and open eyes. Revived with open eyes. Forty-five years after hearing the call of Moses to take the land, Caleb's been wandering in the wilderness. He's been a part of that generation that didn't trust God. They were marked by fear and unbelief, but his life was not marked by the same. They could not shake off entirely the ways of Egypt to receive everything that God had for them. And so a whole generation missed out on the promise of God and missed out on that promised land. And so even though it should have been Moses' generation that walked in and possessed houses they didn't build and drew from vineyards that they didn't plant, they actually never went into the promised land, but yet God sustained Joshua and Caleb to see that day. And doubt and unbelief is a very serious offense to God. I want to show you in Numbers 14 what God said as the ten spies came back, the contagious nature of their unbelief and faith it spread through the camp and God was so angry that He said, go take the promised land, I'm with you. And they said, no, we don't want to do it. This was what God said to them. It's in 14 and 29. And so the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying... Uh, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except, notice that, for Caleb and for Joshua, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. That's a hard word. Verse 31, but your little ones whom you said would be victims. They were saying, Lord, you brought us out here in the wilderness. Our children are going to die. And he says, but your little ones who you said would be victims, I'm going to take them in and they shall know the land which you despised. But as for you, now this is a hard word. I know nobody's going to say amen or swing off a chandelier or bite a chunk out of of the pews. But this is the word from God. Your carcass shall fall in the wilderness and your son shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. Now God is a God of blessing. But God is also a God of His word. And if He says go in, we ought to go in. Moses repents on behalf of the people. You know the story. He intercedes. He stands in the gap. He asks for God's mercy, asks for God's grace. God forgives his people. And yet the story still ended with a very severe punishment for the generation of the people of the Exodus. But that's not what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on how amazed I am at the life, the vision, the faith, and the testimony of Joshua and Caleb because not only did they believe him for it, but they stepped into it and for 45 years you got to understand Caleb was dealing with delay he was in a time of waiting every time it didn't happen I'm sure there was a time of discouragement and I know that all of us have hit setbacks this year discouragement this year hard times this year delays this year disappointments this year I've walked it with you I've felt it with you I've taken phone calls from a lot of of you that said my job is in jeopardy I'm taking a pay cut we're on furlough they might let us go I've prayed with people for job 
job interviews and job opportunities. And I'll tell you, sometimes what God wants us to learn is perseverance. And for us, it's been four, five, six months. But for Caleb, it was 45 years. And yet he still stood on the vision God gave him. He stood on the promise God gave him and said, Yes, the giants are big, but the grapes are big too. And if you didn't realize, our God is greater and He is bigger. And so I'll just tell you, we might be in a season, that's all right, of shaking and stirring, but God is showing us what we can hold on to. And I'll tell you, His kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. The pillars of His kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. When the walls of Jericho shake, the kingdom of God is an unshakable kingdom. And so I want to tell you today, the first thing is to see the strength of God. Sometimes we want to look at our strength, but it's better to look at the strength of God. So my eyes are open. I'm not looking at me or this. Even if these were big biceps, right? I'm not looking at this. I'm looking at his strength. Caleb said in verse 10, Joshua 14 and 10, he said, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive. For these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke that word to Moses while we wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am in this day, 85 years old, and yet I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so my... He's not just... Now, I love this. He's not just an 85-year-old that can still get out of bed. He's not an 85-year-old that can just still walk around the block. He's not an 85-year-old that can still play racquetball. He's not an 85-year-old that can still get on the treadmill. He's an 85-year-old that said, I'm strong enough for war, (laughs) for going out and coming in. (laughs) Not only am I going to go out to fight, I'm going to come home safely. I'm that strong. So I want to tell you today that you are still strong. After every trial, after every test, after everything you've gone through this year, it didn't empty you. I'm already preaching. It didn't empty you. It didn't drain you. It didn't defeat you. It empowered you. It brought you out. It brought you strength. Caleb said, I'm as strong this day as I was when it all began. I didn't get weaker. I didn't empty out. I've been wandering in the desert. But guess what? I'm stronger for it. Because the desert didn't kill me. He realized, he said, you know what? I never died of thirst. Because when I was thirsty, God brought water out of a rock. I didn't die of hunger. Because when I was hungry, God rained manna out of the sky. And when we got tired of manna, He sent more quail than we could eat. He said, when I needed provision, guess what? My sneakers never wore out. My sandals never got holes in them. My belt never quit clicking. My clothes never wore out. I walked in the wilderness for 45 years and God kept providing. And I remember a time when we all got bit by a snake, but Moses wrapped one of those snakes on the rod. He lifted it up in the camp and everybody that looked at the snake and looked at the rod, they got healed. They were healed. I want to tell you, not only did he feed me? Did he water me? Did he provide for me? Did he heal me? I, what I went through, it didn't drain me. What I went through, it didn't defeat me. 
what I went through didn't knock me out, but in fact, I'm stronger. Oh, somebody get a hold of that today. I'm stronger for what I went through. I remember John the Revelator was carried up to the heavens on the Lord's day and he said, you know what? Here's something I saw. I saw the saints in heaven. We're going to be sitting up in heaven someday praising God for making it there. And somebody's going to say, you know what? How did we get up here? And somebody's going to say, you know what? The first thing I know how we overcame was the blood of the Lamb. By the spotless blood of the Lamb. By the Lamb's blood that took away the sin of the world. That dripped down that cross onto the ground of Calvary and saved my soul. And every time I sinned, His blood covered me. Every time I needed healed, I was covered by His stripes. His blood is my salvation. It washed me white as snow. It removed my sin from far as the east is from the west. And His blood flows from Calvary. His blood is what saved me. His blood is what helped me overcome. But then somebody's going to say, you know what, if there was a second thing, and there is, we overcame by the word of our testimony. Everything I went through, it got me stronger. Every test I went through, I was stronger. I overcame by the word of my testimony. And God brought me through this, and I knew He'd take me through that. And He brought me through that, and I knew He'd bring me through this. And every single time, I got stronger through every testimony. Guess what? You will never have a testimony without a test. And Caleb said, you might look at me and I'm 85 years old. There might be some wrinkles on my brow. My hair might have some gray that you and white now. You, you, didn't even, you didn't even know I had dark hair when I was young. And, and my skin might be a little leathery from this Egyptian sun that's been pouring down on us. This Florida sun that's been pouring down on us. My skin's a little leathery from being out and just having a golden suntan these last 45 years. And I might lean over my staff a little more than I used to. But don't get it mixed up. I'm still strong for battle. I'm not weak. I'm not worn out. I'm not empty. I'm just as strong as I ever was. My faith is just as high as it ever was. And so for 45 years I've been saying we're well able to take the land and I haven't changed my testimony yet. My testimony is just as strong today as it was back then. In fact, it's stronger because now I know not only can God deliver us out of the hand of Pharaoh, not only can He bring us through the Red Sea, but He sustained us, He provided for us, He protected us, He healed us in the wilderness so that wall of Jericho is going to fall. Those giants in the land are going to fall. Oh, I feel it today. And He stood up at 85 years old and said, I've been saying that our God is well able and I'm just as strong as I've ever been and my faith is just as strong as it's ever been. My salvation is just as secure as it's ever been. Oh, somebody give God a praise right there and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. My faith is just as strong as it's ever been. Ben. Oh, hallelujah. I'm stronger. I'm stronger for it. He was walking through doubt. People around him were doubting. But guess what? His testimony was different. People were doubting. They were murmuring against God. They were saying, we're not able. We can't do it. God can't do it. But Caleb was saying, we are able. 
Those walls are going to fall. We can do it. God can do it. He was saying, I don't know what he told you. We went into this, the land together. I don't know what he told you. But he told me he's well able. I don't know the God you serve. But I know the God I serve. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing impossible for him. And if God said, go take the land, I don't know what he told you. But Caleb's saying, I know what he told me. He said he's well able. And you might see the giants conquering us. But I see the walls falling down. And I'll just tell you today, when there is fear, unbelief, and doubt in our world, that the church ought to have a different sound. The church ought to have a different testimony. The church ought to have a distinct sound and say, if God is for me, I don't care what's against me. God is for me. God's on the throne. God's in control. And in the end, we are going to win. And he said, after 45 years, the wilderness didn't break me. The circling, it didn't confuse me. The waiting, it did not kill me. But it all made me stronger. And you are as strong today as you were before the test. Before the trial. The thing you went through. Now you are stronger. Because God is bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your moment. He's bigger than your test. And it didn't matter how big the walls of Jericho were. God was still bigger. And His strength is still the same. I, I, t- I said a couple weeks ago that it's this, weird, this year is so strange. Like in some ways I feel like it's still March. And in other ways I feel like it should be 2023 by now. In some ways, like this year has flown by. In other years, I'm like, good Lord, it's still 2020. (laughs) And I remember New Year's night, we let our kids stay up. I think it was the first time they ever stayed up till midnight. Where's the kids at? All right. I think it was the first time they ever stayed up till midnight. And I remember watching the ball drop. I didn't know what this year had in store for us. None of us did. But I'll tell you, I'm just as strong today as I was then. Caleb said, 45 years later, I'm just as strong as I was then. Why? Because we're stronger for it. Our endurance has grown. Our patience has grown. Our holiness has grown. Our devotion has grown. I'm still believing God. I'm still standing on His Word. I'm still asking in prayer. I'm still seeking in prayer. I'm still knocking on the door because God is making us stronger. Stronger, 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 stronger. The second thing I want to say is that we ought to see it with spiritual eyes. Not only do I see God's strength, but I'm seeing everything in our world through spiritual eyes. I've been saying it for a number of weeks, but we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Everything that's happening in our world is not a coincidence. It didn't take God by surprise. He's still on the throne. And so if I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, then I ought to be able to see this with spiritual eyes and not natural eyes. Look what he said in verse 7. He's recounting the day 45 years ago that Moses sent them in to spy out the land. He's saying, I was only 40 then. Caleb is saying, I saw the giants just like the other guys did. Me and Joshua saw the fortified cities just like the other 10 guys did. I saw the enemy, the giants, just like they saw. We saw all the walls of Jericho. We saw all of that. But they spoke with natural eyes. And here's the difference. Caleb brought back a word, catch it now, from his heart. That's totally different. In verse 7, he says, I was 40 years old 
when I was sent to spy out the land. And I brought back a word to Moses as, look at it now, as it was in my heart. He didn't come and say, I saw giants and they're really strong. He didn't come back and say, I saw walls and they're really big. The faithless people spoke from what they saw with their natural eyes, but Joshua and Caleb spoke by what God deposited in their heart. And Caleb came back 45 years later and still remembers and says, you know what? I had a love for Moses. He was the prophet. And I brought back to him something that was in my heart. I didn't see it with my natural eyes, but I brought back something in my heart. And so your heart is at the very core of your being. It's at the very core of who you are. It's the center of your soul and your spirit. It's the deep part of you. Have you ever felt something in your heart, in your spirit? Deep down, you couldn't explain it. You didn't see it. It didn't make sense, but you knew that God had deposited something down deep in your heart. And Caleb said, I brought back a word from not what I saw with my natural eyes, but I brought back a word of something that I felt in my heart. And that was the difference between what Joshua and Caleb saw and what the other ten saw. They saw it with natural eyes, but Joshua and Caleb, they saw it in their heart. They saw it with faith-filled eyes. The others saw it with a natural strength, but they were looking at God's strength. They saw it through their ability, but they saw it through God's ability. And they saw it as, hey, this is something we're going to have to work through. We're going to have to build up an army. We're going to have to come back. They saw it as a process, but Joshua and Caleb knew that it was a promise from God. When he came back, he said, we are well able. My heart is convinced. And I want to tell somebody, your heart has to be convinced that God is able. And then he said in verse 12, he said, therefore, give me this mountain. From natural eyes... He would have not seen it, but it was felt in his heart. And I want you to see this reviving. I want you to see God working in the middle of this. And I want you to get it down deep in your soul and get it down deep in your spirit that nobody can take it away from you. It was 45 years and I still got it. I remember when the angel showed up to Mary and said, You are blessed and highly favored of the Lord, and you shall bring forth a son, and all of that prophecy. And she was saying, How is this going to happen? The angel of the Lord said, The Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you, all this thing. But the Bible said after that, she kept it in her heart. Because she knew that nobody else was going to be able to see it. She knew that nobody else was going to be able to understand it like she did and like she could. So she kept it in her heart and she knew someday there's going to come a time where I will be justified from all this. They're going to think a whole lot of things about me being an unmarried girl. But you know what? Someday at the wedding of Cana, I'm going to tell him, do everything he says. And when he does it, he's going to turn water into wine. And someday that's all right and someday Jesus is going to say who do men say that I am and the disciples are going to say all kind of stuff they think you're Elijah they think you're a good teacher they think all these things and Jesus is going to say but who do you say that I am and Peter's going to stand up and say thou art the Christ the son of the living God and even on that day Jesus is going to say flesh and blood did not reveal that to you You didn't see that with natural eyes, but you got that from your Father in heaven. I want to tell you today, you can't look at it. Oh, I feel it today. 
You can't look at everything with your natural eyes. But there's something. Oh, give God a praise right there. God's going to put something in your heart. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Proverbs 4 said, guard your heart. Because life flows through it. Because life flows from it. Last thing I want to say is see the promise of God. We see the strength of God. We see with spiritual eyes. But i got to keep my eyes on the promise of God. And that's what kept him going those 45 years. In verse 12, uh, it said, he said, give me that mountain that God spoke to me about. Look at it in verse 12. It said, uh, now therefore, give me this mountain. Read it with me. I know it's small. Somebody got to get their glasses out for that one. Read it with me. I'm going to drop out, but I want to hear you. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which... What was that? The Lord spoke. He didn't just pick a mountain out of thin air. God spoke about that mountain. He said, I know there's other people living there, the Anakim and the cities were great and fortified and all that, but the Lord will be with me and I, read it with me, and I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said. He wasn't just saying something he wanted. He wasn't just saying something that was in, you know, just out there, whatever else. He was saying something that God had already said to him. He knew that not every mountain was his mountain. He knew that not every part of that land was promised to him. But he knew, again, he knew in his heart. He knew that this was the mountain that God spoke to me. This is the promise that God gave to me. This is why we have to stand on the word of God. This is why David said, I hide the word of God. Some folks that know the word. In my heart. Get the promise of God down in your heart. In times of uncertainty, this word is going to be a lamp. In times of uncertainty, this word is going to be a light to my feet and to my path. I know what God said to me, so I'm going to keep walking in it. I'm going to keep walking toward it. Even when it's dark, this word is the light. This word is the lamp. And for 45 years of uncertainty, Caleb knew what God had said. And so he just kept walking into it. And so I don't just pick something out of thin air and say, God, you got to do this. No, I get it from God and I store it in my heart. See, this is what James was teaching about in chapter 4. He said, you ask and don't receive. James 4 and 3, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. Is it up there? You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. It's a simple verse. If it's not up there, it's okay. Ouch, right? You ask and you didn't receive because you were asking, you missed on that prayer. You were off target with that prayer. That wasn't something I said. That was something you said. And you were just going to spend it on your pleasure anyway. See, not every mountain is your mountain. Because if you got what you wanted, he's saying you, you, get, you would spend it on your own pleasures. Somebody said, I've been playing scratch-offs for a long time. You are scratching a miss. Not every mountain is your mountain. Listen, he's saying you're trying to live your own life. You're trying to go your own way. You're trying to do your own thing. Then you're asking God to bless it. 
then you're slapping the name of Jesus on the back end of it? It doesn't work that way. That's not how this thing works. But Caleb didn't just pick something out of thin air and say, I want that. That's not what he was doing. There's a big difference. That land was promised to Caleb by his great, 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 great grandfather Abraham. I think I said eight greats there. There's eight generations. I, I eight time eight generations up. There was a promise of God where everywhere that Abraham steps, that land is going to be your land. So you've got to get a God said it, a word from God, and that's what you focus on, and that's what you walk after. And if you get a word from God, I'll tell you it's powerful, it's life-changing. It's family changing. It's history making. It will take territory. It will open up doors. If you get a word from heaven, it will change your life, your family, your family tree, your business. Hold on to the promise of God and get it down deep in your spirit. Get a word from the Holy Ghost. And you will know that you know that you know that God is in this. And it will change your whole life. And you can have confidence in it. In fact, it tells us in 1 John 5 and 14, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now there's a lot of uncertainty in this hour, but there are some things that I know in my heart. And this is the confidence that we have. I can walk with confidence, knowing that what I pray according to His will, He hears me. So I don't have to walk in a fog of uncertainty in this year. And when I can't see my hand in front of my face or where my feet are stepping next, Caleb is walking through that wilderness. He's walking in circles. But guess what? There's a clarity of God said it. That mountain is mine. I might feel like I'm walking in a fog with zero visibility. But guess what? I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking with eyes of the Spirit. I'm looking at His strength. I'm looking at His promise. And God God gave me a God said so. And so you know what? There's a lot of things that I don't know, but there are some things that I do know, and it's down deep in my heart. And there are some things that you don't know, but there are some things that God has put down deep in your heart. I know it, because some of you all told me. You've told me things like, hey, I don't know when this is going to happen, but God told me in, my, in prayer that my children are going to be saved. I stand with you on that. It might be a fog. It might be zero visibility. But you know that down deep in your heart. There's people that have told me things about God's blessing, God's salvation. They know it because God spoke it into their heart. I know because God spoke to my wife and I about this church. I know it. I could tell you where I was. There was a series of a few events I've told the church before, my wife was there, that we knew it, and it was supernatural. It was, we, I remember telling God, I don't think you're right on this one. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go through all I remember saying, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know how. But God made a way. 
And so until God gives me, that was more than eight years ago, until God gives me another word, I'm going to keep walking in the word that God gave me. Even when it's dark, even when it's foggy, I'm walking because I know God said it. And if God said it, I'm going to walk in it. Oh, somebody give God a praise right there. And so there are some things that I know. I know the word said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. So I'm going to do that. I know that the word said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those things are going to be added to you. So I am doing that. I know the word said, love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm doing that. I know the word said, raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So I'm going to do that. I know that the word said not to forsake the assembling and the gathering of yourselves together, but to encourage one another unto good works even more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So I'm doing that and you're doing that even on Labor Day weekend. And I know... That the word said, eat tacos on Tuesday. I don't think it really said that. But I'm going to tell you that I'm walking according to his word. Even if it's a 45-year-old, God said, Caleb is walking in it. Caleb is standing on it because he knew in his heart that God said it. And it took 45 years for it to come to pass. But Caleb had a word. And it wasn't a foggy word. It wasn't just a, yeah, there's somewhere out there. God has a place for me in the promised land. No, God spoke to him about a very specific place. It was Mount Hebron. It was the place that he scouted out. It was the place that he walked. And Moses, the man and prophet of God, said, that land is going to be yours someday. It wasn't just some ethereal thing or maybe, maybe, possibly a place somewhere and no God spoke to him it's Mount Hebron it's that mountain right there it's the place that Abraham and Sarah were buried it's the place that David's going to set up his first throne it's Mount Hebron it's that mountain and that mountain is yours that's why he said hey it's been 45 years and it's well past time give me that mountain and it said in verse 13 Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. And it passed down to his children and his children's children. And here's the promise we can stand on today if we'll be faithful like Joshua and Caleb. I want to remind you today that it's not about what you see with your natural eyes, but it's your inheritance. It's spiritual eyes. No matter what is going on around us, we can stand on the promise of God. And God has told us, if God is for us, who can be against us? I want to hold on to that one today. He said He was never going to leave us. That He was never going to forsake us. That He sticks closer than a brother. That He's always with us. Even unto the end of the world. Somebody ought to hold that on to that in your heart today. 
God said, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. Somebody ought to put that down deep in their spirit. The psalmist said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and they shall be safe. Hold on to that one too. It said the king, who is this king of glory? The Lord, he's strong and mighty. The Lord is strong and mighty in battle. Somebody ought to hang on to that one. God said you will be blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but how many know they're going to flee in seven directions? And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that He has given you. Somebody should hang on to that one too. Jesus said, don't fear, I've already overcome the world. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. The angel said, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus who left you and went in the clouds is going to return for you in the same manner that he left. Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. You'll be filled with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when you see trouble and when you see all these things come to pass, just go ahead and lift up your eyes and look up because your redemption is drawing nigh. Somebody ought to hold on to that one this morning. Paul told the church at Thessalonica that someday... The Lord is going to crack the sky. That He's going to open the clouds. That He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. And the archangel of God and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise up. And then we which are alive shall be caught up to meet Him in the air. Paul told him at Corinthians that death death has no victory. That the grave has no victory. That death has no sting. That death has already been swallowed up in the victory of Jesus' resurrection. And the prophecy was that in the last days that God was going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I want to tell you, if you read this book in the end, you have already won. Caleb knew, I've already won. He already gave me the promised land. He already defeated the giants. The walls are already going to fall. i got to preach it to somebody today. Get that down deep in your spirit. God has already given us the victory. Oh, somebody give God a praise right there. God has already gave us the victory. Somebody ought to know that today. Stand with me and give God a great praise. Music, come. Come on, let's just give God a great praise right there. If you see it, if you feel it, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. You know, we have five natural senses. How many know what they are? You can see, you can smell, you can feel, you can hear, and you can taste. Did I get them all? From Genesis in the garden, it tells us that Adam and Eve, they were in tune with the spirit realm. Hang with me for just a minute. I'm going to close quick. Adam and Eve, they were in tune with the spirit realm. They were in tune with the spirit world around them to a degree that maybe we aren't inclined to today. 
It said they walked with God in the cool of the day. They audibly heard the voice of God. They talked and walked with Him in the garden. They were inclined to being in touch to the spiritual world in such a way to a degree that maybe we aren't even today. The serpent showed up to her. They were in tune. But when they sinned in the garden, they experienced a spiritual death. They were kicked out of the garden and all of mankind experienced a separation because of their sin. We understand that. But we must understand today that there is a spirit world around us that with natural eyes we cannot see. Where where the battles for eternity take place, it's where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And I'm praying today that God would open our eyes to see what God really wants to do in our world today. But guess what? We've got to see it with spiritual eyes. We've got to see it with spiritual eyes. My boys, they're both really into cars right now. And I've always loved cars, but I tell you, their eyes are really sharp right now. We'll be driving, and they'll see a car a block away. And they'll say, Dad, that's a Tesla, it's a Tesla. And I'm looking, and I'm like, no, buddy, I think it's a Honda. (laughs) Guess what? We get up to it. It was a Tesla. Their eyes are sharp. They're always looking. They're always watching for it. I'm watching traffic lights and brake lights. They're always seeking, searching, watching. Their eyes are tuned into it. That's what I'm talking about. We have to have eyes that are tuned in to the Spirit. Fellas, have you ever had your car break down? You pull over to the side of the road and you pop open that hood. But the truth is most of us don't know what we're looking at. Unless something's on fire or smoking, it's like, yeah, I don't see it. You go around the side and the tires popped. You're like, oh, that's what it was. But you pop the hood just to look. But you get a trained mechanic to open that hood and immediately he sees, well, the radiator is overheating because there's a disc, this, this hose right here, there's a leak and it's low on fluid. And if we fix that and we fix this, the engine won't overheat and I'll get you back on the road. He sees it because his eyes are trained to it. His eyes are tuned to it. Have you ever gone to the doctor and the doctor puts up the x-ray on that lighted board or maybe it's a, 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 a blood sample or a skin sample or an MRI or an x-ray and he says, oh yeah, you see it right there. And I'm like, doctor, no, I don't see it. Just tell me, is it good news or bad news? Because I don't see what you see. But guess what? I don't have to be a mechanic. I don't have to have the eyes of a doctor. But I want to tell the church today that we can see through the eyes of the Spirit. I want to tell the church today that we can see what God sees. We can see souls around us. They're not just people. It's not just flesh and blood. But they're souls that need Jesus. We can see right now that, hey, I might be wrestling with some things, but it's not my neighbor, it's not my brother, it's not my sister. We're wrestling against principalities of darkness. I'm wrestling. I want to see that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I want to see it, not how I see it, but how God sees it. I want to see it how God sees it. It's not about can I do it, it's about can He do it. It's not about my strength, it's about His strength. And I want to see that today. 
Let us be revived. Let us open our eyes. Would you pray that prayer with me this morning, Lord Jesus? I just pray all over this house, God, that there'd be an awakening, that there'd be an opening of our eyes to see what you have for us, God. Let there be a reviving of our heart, of our mind, of our soul, of our spirit, Lord, to see this world as you see it, God. To see, Lord. And I pray right now in Jesus' name. Open our eyes, open our heart in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.